This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 279 of She Podcast. I am your co-host, Jessica Kupferman. Today, instead of Elsie Escobar, we are very blessed and lucky to have Sky Pillsbury, formerly of Inside Podcasting, and we're going to get into why that is a former experience for her. And as always, our producer, John Domingo. Hello to you both. How are you doing today? Great. (laughs) Am I going first? You may. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing great today. I am in the middle of freaking nowhere in Wyoming, uh, and uh, I got up early, and I wouldn't do that many for many people, but I am very happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me on. I know you wanted Michelle Obama. I am nothing like her, but I read her book, so I feel like I have, you know, like, I have some of Michelle inside. Just answer me this. When they go low, do you go high? Because that's all that matters. A hundred percent. Okay, good. All right. Hundo P. Hundo P. Is that what they say? I never heard that. What the kids say? That's what my husband says, and uh, and I'm borrowing it from him. As they say? He is so hip. He, he, I mean... He is going to be on my podcast twice this season because he's so damn hip. Wow. My mother used to say, are they hip? And I would say, if they're hip, that answers both questions. If you say they're hip and they're hip, it means they are not hip. Because you said hip and because they are hip. I think it. the problem is, is if someone says that they are hip themselves, then or if they say they're smart or they say they're incredible, then they're not. But if other people say it, like said person's wife, we're good. True. I'll give you that. I will give you that. So yeah, so Elsie's on a travel day today. So we have invited Sky, who warned me and told me it would be a mistake, a possible mistake, because she's in Wyoming for vacation. So John and I are on the East Coast where we're about to be hit with a disgusting hurricane. And Sky is a West Coaster um. in California. And she, I guess... Summer trips to Wyoming were the Buffalo Room. Why Wyoming? Why did you pick there? How long did it take you? What's going on up there? Well, I actually flew here. I flew here um, and my, my my husband and son were out here already. My husband's family congregates in Wyoming every summer. It's like a yearly pilgrimage so that everybody can hang out. It's actually a very sweet thing that they do. Um, And we decided that, you know, this year's a little different. Like, we're staggering everyone's visit. We're not all here at the same time because it can get up to, like, you know, 70 people. So right now, like, I'm only here with, like, a very, very small group. For people who are nearby but not staying in our cabin, we're socially distancing outside. But it's just a chance for us to get outside and take a break from real life and 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 not have a whole lot of working Wi-Fi, which is why today I, I am in the only place in the only cabin that has Wi-Fi, which is why I said, Jessica, I don't know. Like, literally... 
uh, four days ago, I was recording with my husband for my, for my finale episode, which Jessica, you're a part of as well. And I was recording with him, but we were just doing a phone call and like, uh, 10 minutes in, uh, uh, lightning literally struck and the phones went down. <laughs> and so anyway, it, now it's part of the story. Like wow. I called him back and, you know, we had the second part of the conversation. But anyway, the point being that like things are kind of dicey out here, like the nearest town is far away. So yes, I did warn you, but you were very sweet and said you wanted to do it. And now we've got a three second delay and we're just going to have to deal. So does this mean that in your warning, what you were actually saying was, please don't make me find the only cabin with Wi-Fi and pack all my equipment, but I'll do it if you really, really, really want me to? <laughs> No, I didn't mind that at all. I did not bring like my giant podcast headphones. As you can see, I'm just wearing my simple Apple. I decided those would take up too much room, but I have my microphone and that was not an effort. And I'm happy to be doing this. I want to be on the show. I love She Podcasts, but I just wanted to be honest that like it could all completely go down the drain. And it may, but that's every because show here at She Podcast because that's how we are. <laughs> yes. Sky says, you know, this isn't really a good idea. I don't have good Wi-Fi and there's a lot we of problems. Like, and we might <laughs> we might be we might not be able to do this and Jess says, Eh, what the heck? Let's do it anyhow. I mean, Elsie never has I good know. Wi-Fi. That's part of why we love you, Jessica. So just to give you a little bit of an insight as to what it's like to record with Sky, since we can't say about it on her show, since her show is over. Elsie and I got on Squadcast with her, and she was late. I believe she forgot that we were <laughs> recording at a certain time. So Elsie and I are just like doing the show without her. No one's recording. <laughs> and then she comes on, and she gives us instructions, and then she says, I know this is weird, but I have to turn off my video when I'm recording because... I can't look at people when I'm talking to them. And as she's telling us this, it goes dark because she records in her closet. And if you don't move, the light just dives off on her. So so now she looks like she's like in a spy cave and she's trying to get off because she's like, in, it was it was very funny. She was just like, this is weird. And now I'm dark and I have to go. I needed infrared glasses to see you guys at that point. And the funny thing is, though, Jessica, th so that episode comes out on Wednesday. So the show's not quite over. I've got that. And I've got a couple of bonus episodes. Oh, you have one but more, right? Okay. This Wednesday, yeah, two days from now, the episode with you and Elsie comes out. And that's a combo episode that also includes the the doomed conversation with my husband on the phone. But that episode comes out and I hope that you listen to the very end because that little moment will be on display oh, for everyone to hear. Oh, how exciting. Wonderful. It's a little Easter egg at the end. Oh, boy. Yes. I yeah. can't wait. Okay. It was really funny. You're very professional, by the way. I don't want to give any impression that you're not a professional broadcaster because you are. It was just funny that the light went off right when you were like, I have to. I did not have my act together that day. I really didn't. I got your text and you're like, uh, are you joining us for your own podcast? <laughs> I was nicer than that. Hashtag proud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. It happens. And you just were probably packing and getting ready to go away. So I'm sure it's fine. So without further ado, um, let's talk a little bit to Sky about leaving inside podcasting. Like she just made the announcement that 
not only was this her last season, but that she would no longer be writing for Inside Podcasting, which I don't know if you guys know this, but unlike Hot Pod and Pod News, Sky actually works for a company that has asked her to create Inside Podcasting. It's not her own. It's not of her own fruition. So what came about that made you decide no mas? So I had this had been percolating in my brain for a few months. I had actually talked to Inside about it about three months prior. And, you know, I, I, I feel, uh, for, let me first say that I'm super grateful to Inside. I It opened so many doors for me. I got to meet so many interesting people, you included. Um, and I, so I loved the experience of writing for them. But it did feel after two years, like I was, you know, I was really pouring my blood, sweat and tears into the podcast and the newsletter. It just felt like I was, every day that I was working for them and building this thing for them felt like a day that I wasn't building something for me. It didn't feel that way in the beginning, but once I had sort of like established myself a little bit, I I just had this nagging feeling that it was time to do something new. And I don't know right now exactly what form that is going to take, but I will be keeping, you know, people posted about that on Twitter. And there's a few different things I'm craving. One could be more ownership over something that I create. One could be working with more of a team because it was very much of a solo effort. And I sort of crave, like, that's why doing this podcast with you guys is so fun for me because you're my friends and it's, it's, you know, the sense of community that I haven't really had. And, you know, it would be nice to get paid more. You know, no one goes into journalism to make a million dollars. So I had all of that. The, the other thing, which I think is fine for me to share, is that Jason, who is my boss, he's the founder of Inside, wanted and had been sort of hammering me for a few months to make it a paid newsletter. He's done that with a lot of the other newsletters that Inside produces. And I really didn't want to do that. I didn't feel that my readers were the kind of readers that necessarily, that all of them had like extra funds to spend on newsletters that, you know, is my newsletter critical to your workday? Probably not. It's it's a nice, fun thing to read. But I also didn't want to be writing a newsletter for like the 20 people that could pay. I mean, I don't know how many people it would have been. We had, you know, 18,000 subscribers, so maybe it would have been more. But the point is that what I want to do is to write for a big audience of people who love podcasts. And so that was another, I had staved him off for months. And I knew that at a certain point, I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore. So that was a big reason too, for me to say, you know, I think I need to, you know, it's time for me to strike out on my own. And I have no, there's no bad blood. There are no hard feelings. Jason is a total piece of work, but in a weird way, I kind of love him too. And I definitely am appreciative to the company and everyone that I worked with there. Just as your friend, I know you've never said anything bad about Jason that I can recall. You've always said nothing but nice things about him. And it sounds like your dilemma is the dilemma of every entrepreneur, whether you knew you were one or not. Eventually, we all do that where even if you're already working for yourself, like for me as a graphic and web designer, I was working, you know, I was doing projects hourly and at first it was $60 an hour. And then I was like, wait, in three hours, I'm only making 180 bucks. That's ridiculous. And then I, you know, and then you move it up and then you move it up. And when you're working with, for someone else, you don't get anywhere near what you would pay as a consultant. And you're still like, wow, I just spent eight hours there. And I made $300. And also I did no work that I get to keep crap. 
<laughs> you know, like you want your own right. body of work. Yeah. And you want your own audience and your own traffic. And when you're talented, you know you're talented. And when you're good, even if you're not good at marketing, like you know that you're good at your job and therefore want to do it on your own behalf. So I totally get that. And I think it's a big conversation right now within podcasting, you know, is that, that you know, uh, you know, specific to podcasting, a lot of people are producing podcasts and not getting the same kind of deals, especially particularly, I think, people of color, not getting the same deals as other people are getting from the companies that they work for. You know, uh, Brittany Luce from The Nod has been very vocal about that, as well as Misha Youssef, who created Tell Them I Am. These are conversations that are out there happening. My, my situation was different. I was under no illusions that I was going to be able to keep anything. But it is that same feeling of like, you know, it is weird for me, I have to say, that like they might continue that podcast and there'll be a completely different host. Right. And yet, like, it really was like my creation. And, you know, it'll hopefully it'll still always be out there, but it's time for me to build something for me, whether it's writing, podcasting, even you know, freelancing. I, I don't know. It, I want to be more in control of my own destiny, as they say. And and I loved the interaction with readers. And if I had had to make it paywalled, that interaction would have really narrowed. And, you know, what I loved about writing that was just like, I had a big audience and people who wanted to engage with me. And, and I hope that in whatever I do next, that, you know, that can stay the same. It will stay the same because podcast audience is very, 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 very vocal and loyal. They're much more aggressive than any other audience I've ever had, certainly, and not in a bad way, but in a good way. If you feel downtrodden about them going on with that, you take a look at stuff your mom never told you and how stuff, you know, that show has a brand new pair of hosts. Like they, the first hosts went on to do other things and they brought in a second pair. And like, there are shows that switch off hosts. Like I'm sure the hosts feel a little poopy about it at first but i believe that in that show they switched host couples and the four of them are friends and they still collaborate a lot and um actually elsie and i were just talking about this with the with regards to intellectual property and i annoyed her very much because i threw down a little bit about the fact that like i mean i i mean when it comes to giving women of color their intellectual property and and you know and giving them a fair deal that's a whole nother conversation than what i was trying to have with her which is just that you know for example, Heaven and Tracy worked for BuzzFeed and yes, they were allowed to take their show elsewhere, but most shows are not. And then we were talking about another show that was not and she was pretty angry about the fact that she did the show all this time and it didn't belong to her. And I was like, right, but she made a salary. She was paid to do the show. That was her job was to do the show. Like you can't stop getting the salary and then be like, I want my show. That is true. And I mean, yes, you've been getting a salary as well, though I'm sure it's vastly underpaid in comparison to the amount of hours and passion that you've put into it. But that's every employee. Hello. So every employee is underpaid, especially if they care about their job. Then it's way past what you could ever be paid for your work and love of what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. You're putting in so many hours. Yes. So so I'm very proud of you and excited. And you know that Elsie and I will help you in anything you choose to do and tell everyone in the world about it. So just let us know. Let us know when you're ready. We'll do it. You guys have been so supportive. And and actually, I've just really appreciated so many people coming. At first, it felt actually kind of weird. There were some people who were like, oh, shoot, I'll miss you. Bye. And I was like, <laughs> wait, I'm not like, I'm not invisible. I, I, you know, I'm not leaving. Like, I'm not leaving. Like, I love, they would have to drag me away. I love podcasts and the people who make them way too much to disappear. I'm still here. I actually ha got a little 
it's very small, but I have a little freelance writing gig about podcasts that someone came to me and offered Sweet. me, and I'm super excited about that. So, like, you know, I'm here. I'm here for the long haul. I don't know what the long term looks like exactly right now, but I've got some ideas and some stuff I definitely want to run past you, Jessica and Elsie, and just get your input. But I ain't going away. Good. Thank God, because I would miss gossiping with you at conferences. Um, okay. So before we get into news, and we have quite a bit of news to get into, let me just talk to you very quickly about the PodFest Global Summit, if you're not aware of it. This week, and actually starting today, for those of you in the Super Squad who are watching live, those of you who are not watching live, you can still sign up. But this week, the 3rd through the 8th of August, is a pre-event week. And the next week, August 10th through the 15th, is the podcast Global Summit, where they are going after the Guinness Book of World Records title for largest attendance of a virtual podcasting conference in one week, which is extremely specific, if you ask me. The PodFest Global Summit is an extension of PodFest Multimedia Expo, which is one of the longest running and tightest knit communities of podcasters in the world. PodFest Expo is a community of people who are interested and passionate about sharing their voice and messages. This is getting really long. Basically, it's a huge ass conference online. It's going to be awesome. It's global. And we're going to try and set a world record. Elsie and I are doing... A microcon Monday the 10th from 1 to 4. Um, we're going to have some surprise speakers and Elsie and I are going to end it with, I think we're going to do the Guinness Book of World Records for most podcasting mistakes made in one session. <laughs> and we're going to just show all the terrible things you can do like this. Like, can you see me now? That kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's going to be really fun. How about recording with someone who's in Wyoming? I mean, if we have to share this part of it, we will. But yes, perhaps that was a mistake, but one I'm proud of. Um, so yeah, so please join us. Go to podfestexpo.com and see us there. I don't think tickets are, I mean, I I think tickets are paid. I don't think they're expensive. And I think it would be worth it to be part of history, podcast history. Okay. And on with the news, John John, if you would. The news you can use. For the informed podcaster, podcasting news. Today, our first news item is HTML formatting for podcasters in Spotify. The show and episode descriptions in Spotify are now going to allow HTML formatting for those of you who don't code or do any web design or know what the hell that means. It basically means you will be able to format bold, italicize, all different things, lists, headers, line breaks. Like it's sort of being like if you've ever done any kind of post in WordPress or on a website whatsoever and it looks funky, that is HTML formatting. So yeah, that's going to be available now. Go ahead, Sky, because she has her hand raised and it's adorable. <laughs> so can I ask a question about that? Because Am I misreading it or does that just basically mean like Spotify is now doing what basically every other podcast catcher is doing? Yesterday I was reading that article and I'm like, wait, like I definitely put, you know, I link everything to, you know, people's Twitter and this art. Re here's further reading. And I put all the links in my thing. And then I did go to Spotify, which I almost never listen on, but, um, but I did listen to the Michelle Obama podcast on there, but I went to, I should have gone to my husband because it's his favorite way to listen. And I did notice they don't have, they don't have that going on. But to me, this is sort of like a, okay, we've been waiting. It's one of those things that you think would be obvious, but 
I guess for Spotify, who has only done music up until a certain point and then started doing podcasting, like they didn't exactly build themselves for like formatted liner notes, you know, which is technically what this is. Like most songs have like a maybe a few credits and possibly like this song is about my life or whatever, but not to the extent of like, like what Elsie and I do, which is like a summary and then every single link we talk about and then all of the links of our sponsors and then all of our social media, like it's a whole to do in there. Some people do a transcription and if you do a transcription with no formatting, it is a giant text paragraph from hell. So this is kind of an important thing, even though, yes, it does seem like, okay, uh, thanks. <laughs> like we've been- yeah, I, exactly. I'm like, I'm, I'm grateful that they're doing it, but I'm also kind of like, if you hadn't pointed it out, I never would have even, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, to me, it feels like welcome to like every other. And I feel like music should have those too. Like if I was, you know, whoever artist, I'd want to put links to the people who the who produced the album or you know what I mean? Like they should this is just like a no brainer. Yeah, it's way overdue. Yes. I totally agree. And uh, in addition to what they're offering there, one of their um the their most large, I guess their biggest original podcast experiments the michelle obama podcast premiered and with it the new a new product feature which is shareable quote cards people in the test aka michelle obama will be able to press play oh no sorry wait they'll be able to press play and colorful cards with quotes available to share will appear automatically they can then tap the quote they want to share and send it to instagram snapchat facebook twitter etc But, and unless this is a mistype, it says you can't choose the quote yourself as a user. They pre-select the quotes and they give them to you. Um, So you can't share specific segments that resonate with you. You have to share what they think is going to resonate with you, which is still whatever. I mean, I'd rather have control over what people share when it comes to me anyway. Otherwise, people would just share all our blunders from the beginning and the end of the show. So, I mean, it's just sort of neat to check out. You can probably go look at that at Michelle's podcast. So I listened to it on Spotify and I didn't get those those cards. And when I went back and read the article, it said, like, there's only certain people who are in the test. So, like, I think they're just doing this with, like, some small group of people. I have some mixed feelings. I feel like we are all as podcasters, including, you know, the Michelle Obamas of the world now, like looking for ways to get, you know, to spread the word on social media to get other people to listen. And so this seems like a good way to make it easy for someone who really loves the podcast to just hit a button and like share something. And then they get, you know, then they're like, you know, that maybe helps them with their social presence or whatever. So I'm, I'm actually all for this. I guess what I hope is that Spotify offers this functionality for people who are not just Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama is like the last person on earth who needs help promoting her podcast. Like everybody's talking about it. Everybody knows about it. How about my podcast that's on Spotify? Like, can they make some cards for me or can they create the functionality for me so that my listeners can like post about it? Like that would be much more useful. And I'm my assumption is that this is like the test, the beginning of the rollout. And it's it's an interesting way to do it, uh, sort of plug and play. But I hope that we all get the chance to use it. And while we're at it, who is they? Does Michelle pick the quote? Does the podcaster pick the quote? Does the producer pick the quote? Or does Spotify pick the quote? Because if it's a bot picking a quote, that's got to be an awkward quote. 
I read some of the quotes, and I don't think that that a bot is picking it out. I mean, they were quotes that, you know, if you read Michelle, I don't know, like if people who are listening have, have have listened to the podcast, but if you had also read her book, a lot of what comes out there is in that first episode. I think is like kind of a primer on like who is Michelle and and where she came from and her values and things like that. And so the quote cards that I read seemed very emblematic of like who she is as a person and what she was trying to get across in her book. So I'm sure that there was some human touch that figured that out, which, you know, that seems like it would be an easy thing to do, right? Like, just like, here's your card, like type it out and then offer it to your... So hopefully it is either the host or the producer or someone who actually knows what they're doing. I would not want a bot picking out my cards. No, I wouldn't either. And I would think that, yeah, once you have your own show transcribed, you should be able to pick out your own stuff or at least mush it around a little bit to make sense. Like if you happen to not make sense, which does happen to me on a regular basis. So who knows? Um, And then lastly, when it comes to Spotify, they are claiming that their audience has increased since the pandemic. Oh, first or first they had a pandemic slump and now their audience is increasing. And Elsie included a, li- a uh, link to the Wall Street Journal, which has a lot of Wall Street journal type talk. But here's what I'll say about this, because I find what I have to say about it much more interesting. Here we go. So last week I met with my, we, I had a changeover in staff, my financial manager, someone new at my firm. And he, you know, we kind of went over all the different stocks we had, which I thought was cool. And then he was like, and if you know any companies that you think might be up and coming, and I was like, you know, I think Spotify might be doing very well. And it seems like they're buying a lot of stuff and maybe we should take a look at them. And within 24 hours, he goes, their stock is very, very high. And in addition, they are making zero money. And I was like, cool, never mind. <laughs> So, I mean, I think Sky and I both found different articles saying like the same thing, which is like they're buying all the things, but they're not making a dime. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're buying Spotify stock, I think that you're betting on the on a vision. You know, you're betting on like this future. And I know you guys talked about Leo Laporte's uh, piece in Inside Podcasting a few episodes ago. And I do think I am worried that what they're doing is they're gearing up for a world in which, you know, there aren't RSS feeds and they can get all this data about listeners and then they can slice and dice it for advertisers. And I do, I, I, I mean, I actually think that buying Spotify stock, um, you know, no one should trust me because I have no financial background whatsoever. But yeah, I will say, I. <laughs> I will say that if you're going to buy that stock that, you know, I, I mean, I have high hopes for it. I mean, by the same token, you could buy Stitcher or not Stitcher, Sirius XM. You know, they seem to be making moves, you know, in the same direction, having just bought Stitcher and they've got Pandora and they've been a little quiet on the podcast front, but I have a feeling that's going to gear up a lot. I mean, I, I still think that we're in the early stages of this industry. And I hope so, um, because I think that there's so many people doing creative work and that I'm hoping that there's still going to be a lot of different models and a lot of different companies and, you know, small and big, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you listen, if their stock is like $130, $160 a share and like they aren't having any income, like basically what he said was you have to wait for it to come down a little bit. I guess since they just made a purchase, their stock is up. I mean, he didn't say no. He just said if when it comes down to be a little bit less expensive and they start making a profit, it will be a much better buy, which, you know, I don't know diddles about anything. So it made sense to me. Let's move on. But before we do, 
I just want to talk to you quickly about Swell. Swell is a new sponsor for She Podcast, and it is an app. It's an iPhone and an Android app. And basically, podcasts and Swellcasts, this is what they call them, are perfect partners. You can create companion clips for each episode, independent bonus content, and more on their app. Basically, you download the app, and it is like having a an audio conversation where you say a tidbit, then other people add their tidbits, and then all of a sudden you've got like an audio convo. So you can create companion clips, independent bonus content. You just share your, the link to your channel in your podcast description, and people can connect with you and give you live feedback, etc. You can also stream Swellcasts on your site with a simple widget. So you embed the widget, and then you can just chit-chat live at, from anywhere that you embed the HTML. Anyone can listen to the posts and reply with audio of their own. You can instantly make your community voices feel heard and appreciated and build loyalty that lasts. So you can have public and private chats, get creative with audio emojis. And by the way, if you've never heard these, they're hilarious. It's basically when you do the clap, it goes and it gives them clapping. Or if uh, you hit someone with a heart, it goes boing like a Cupid arrow. It's hilarious. Um, and you can customize your channel, hashtags, keywords, etc. Just record and share without limits. Download the app, shepodcast.com forward slash swell and let us know what you think about it. Do either of you, have either of you tried swell yet? John, you've tried it. What did you think? My name is Jamingo. Jamingo, of course. Swell, of course. And to me, it is audio Twitter. Uh-oh. I have a schmoo in the building. Hold on. I know, baby. I'm I'm recording my show though. Live. I'm recording. Wait, it's live? Yes, it's live. I need you to go. I'm sorry. Wait, you are? Help! <laughs> Help! Come get this kid. Little boys are here. <laughs> All right. Benny, shut the door. Benny. You gotta leave this in. So yeah, so back to Swell. If you guys haven't checked it out, please go to ShePodcast.com forward slash Swell and then let us know what you think. Invite us to see your Swell cast. We'd love to know what you're doing with the app. The next news item, Sky, is about journalists proclaiming that true crime podcasts aren't doing enough to cover Black Lives Matter, but it appears that they're just, I guess, doing a lot of accusing and not a lot of listening yeah you since you're a journalist i'm going to give this to you sure i mean this is just a trend that i've noticed so about a month ago i got a call from a vanity fair reporter who was doing a story on like so she is a she's a fan of um you know my favorite murder um, she actually like pays money on the Patreon or whatever for crime junkies. Like she's one of these very mainstreamy true crime uh, journalists. And she was noticing that, hey, they're not covering like police brutality and, you know, you know, crime in the space. And when I got the phone call, I I urged her to because, you know, true crime, I, you know, I listen to serial and I listen to the occasional sort of, you know, true crime genre, but it's not my my central, you know, podcast diet by any means. And what I said was, first of all, for most for many true crime podcasters, that's not they're not set up to do that. Like they are not journalists. They are not reporters. They are not necessarily following a current event story. Like they are, in the case of My Favorite Murder, they're taking like an old murder and talking about it, drinking wine, whatever, and agreed completely with the journalists that maybe there's a pall on that kind of true crime podcast right now because true crime is entertainment 
feels like especially tone deaf at the moment. But what I urged her to do was to look at social justice podcasts where there's like tons of stuff going on. They're covering this like ad nauseum, but she didn't include any of that. And then a writer, I think for The Verge, and maybe you guys can put a link to this in the show notes if you want, but a writer for The Verge posted a Twitter thread that was like, yes, we should be asking this, this question, but also you should be doing your homework. There are actually a ton of podcasts that are in the true crime vein that are covering this. And I can't off the top of my head remember what they all were, but he listed a whole bunch of podcasts that I'm now following and I'm now interested in. But even despite that, there's now been a new article in BuzzFeed. And by the way, both times these were written by white female journalists. And this article basically says the same exact thing, that true crime podcasts are now going to have to be thinking about how to cover police brutality in our changing world. And it's kind of like, yes, it's a good question to ask, but it's already happening and you should be doing your homework. And so I guess it's just a little bit of a beef on my side that, you know, there are so many, as a journalist who covers podcasts, there are so many journalists writing about podcasts, or I shouldn't even say so many, the handful that are writing about podcasts for mainstream publications are not of the community. They're not really equipped, I think. It's not that they think they're doing a bad job, but they just, they don't have the connections to figure out. They're the literal worst. They've Anytime they have a podcast list of the best of, anytime they talk about um, podcasting in any sense of the word, Vanity Fair, Wall Street Journal, BuzzFeed, etc., it's always the wrong shit. And this is a perfect example, first of all. Second of all, I kind of feel like true crime, like, first of all, you said true crime is like drumming up an old murder and talking about it. And this BuzzFeed article, one of them discusses the glorification of cunning serial killers and dead girls. And if that's how the genre works, that's fine. I don't mean to be a generalist, but I don't recall hearing or reading about a lot of serial killers that are men of color. They're mostly crazy white dudes. (laughs) Yeah, so true. That's not necessarily a racist thing. I mean, if you want to be included in this list, start murdering people. But otherwise, you have other lists you can be on that are much more, you know, practical and productive. But I understand, like, the defund the police. I'm like, I mean, I realize that it's crime and I realize that it's true crime. But true crime really talks about premeditated shit and from what i understand although i'm sure it's not true in all cases crime against black people by the police is not usually premeditated it's usually i see a black dude right let me find all the people in the community let me hunt them down let me stalk their family like that's the stuff that true crime is about Exactly. It just felt like she she was looking at it from the wrong vantage point. And, and I actually ended up following up with her and saying, hey, by the way, like, if you ever do a follow up, like, here's this tw- Twitter thread with like, all these like, you know, true crime or true crime adjacent podcasts that are taking a harder look at, you know, this kind of crime, which is not like my favorite murder type crime. And she wrote, thanks. It is. Oh. It is a social justice issue, though. And like another and, and, you know, I don't know how often you read like these little things. But like I right when the riots and protests started happening, I was reading a lot of Twitter and like black Twitter and their response to things. And I saw that real estate agents were going to stop calling the master bedroom the master bedroom because it had slave connotations and they were going to keep calling it. You know, they were starting to start calling it the main bedroom. And black Twitter was like. 
What we really want is for you to show us houses that aren't in the ghetto. That's what we want. We don't give a fuck what you call the bedroom. But stop. Yeah. You know, this is not progress if you rename the fucking bedroom. You want progress? Show me the houses I ask you to show me and not the ones in shitty neighborhoods. Like, they don't give a fuck. Who asked this woman to make sure black people were on a true crime show? No, thanks. Yeah. We're all set. Yeah. Like, you know, like they, like you said, there's lots of other podcasters covering it. It's not exactly a true crime show. It is more of a social social justice thing. And that's where it belongs if we want to make sure that something gets done about it. Because on true crime, you're just gossiping. There's nothing to be done about the true crime shit except salacious sex slash murder slash stalking shit. Why? Yeah. Do the, yeah. Why does that society need to be a part of that? You're not doing them a favor. Shushy. Shush. <laughs> yes. These publications need to be hiring me, I think, is what we've, you know, oh, the, I so the, agree. The, the conclusion here. They need to be hiring me to write these articles or, or maybe I'm not the right person. It should be a person of color. But someone who is – Barry should be writing an article about this, you know, uh, people who actually have, have the right kind of knowledge. Our listeners are saying, when I go for true crime, I'm not thinking about current events. And Stephanie says, I will never understand why true crime is so popular. Um, it stopped being as popular once the pandemic hit because um, mm -hmm. I think people are bored. And the idea that you could be murdered in your sleep by a neighbor is kind of like, you know, it kind of ex exercises your brain muscles a little bit. Then when a pandemic happens and you realize that you could die just getting into your car and going to the grocery store, it stops being interesting. Start being a little too yes. real. So like it's not it's not as popular as it was six months ago. But I mean, it could come back depending. I don't know. They're yeah. very the they fans are popular, of true crime. But they've They're had a passionate. Dip. They are. But they've had a dip. They have had a dip. This is a whole to do. But Owen Benjamin is so we're changing subjects now. We're going to talk about Owen Benjamin and Patreon. So Owen Benjamin is a comedian who really isn't the funniest comedian, in my opinion. He used to be on a show called Sullivan and Son. He was also in House Bunny as like the weird guy that worked for the play the Playboy Mansion. Anyway, apparently he has a podcast or no, he has a YouTube channel that has been removed because he's very right wing. He's a very right-wing comedian, and they've removed his content, and then he's set up four to seven other channels that they have also all removed, and then he got kicked off of Patreon. Patreon is unique in the sense that it requires you, if you want to sue Patreon, it requires you to have arbitration in the state where they live uh, whatever state that is, I don't remember. But basically what it means is like the listeners of Owen Benjamin who were giving him money are pissed that Patreon has taken away their right to financially support Owen Benjamin. And they've decided to sue Patreon who, because of this clause, is now going to have to pay for like millions and millions of dollars in arbitration fees because their contract says that it has to be filed in their state. <laughs> if it has to be filed in their state, they have to respond. And so now there's like 72 lawsuits right. against Patreon. So it's just something interesting that came up and I would love to hear your thoughts about it. I think it's such a complicated issue, and I think it goes across so many platforms. The deep platforming of people and who's at fault and who is, what kind of justice needs to be served in terms of these, you know, suits and the money that's paid out. It's not a platform that I'm on, so I'm not super familiar with 
with that platform in particular, but it seems very tricky. What do you think? Well, first of all, let me just start this, my opinion by saying that I am of the opinion that anyone who decides to make content around untrue facts, not opinionated facts, but facts, fact, the world is round, that kind of fact, I think that it should be against the law because I think you're misleading people. I think it's fraud. Oh, 100%. Not you are the fraud, but the... I also think it's either that or it should be labeled as fiction. We have a word for things that are made up. It's called fiction. And I think it should be labeled as fiction. And otherwise, people believe what they hear, conspiracy, you know, conspiracies and other things. And it's and it's dangerous, especially when it comes to the medical, the medical field, which is science. It's not arguable. You don't argue with science. It's like, why don't you go ahead and argue with gravity? I know. Let's pretend condoms don't work. <laughs> Who's going to do that? I don't see you taking away your condoms. So fucking put the mask on. Anyway, the point is that if that's what he was doing, and I don't know about his content. I mean, I understand that you have fans that like what you do. But I think if you are going to promote and speak content that is misleading, tough shit if you get kicked off. That's how I feel. And the fact that his supporters want to get angry about it. I mean, why don't they take the hit? They got kicked off for a reason. Well, that everything you're saying, I completely agree with. I don't understand why we continue to promote people who just spout complete nonsense and, you know, vitriol online. I do not understand it. I completely agree. And I'm, God, the social platform, the big social platforms are so late to figuring this out. And I guess Facebook maybe never will. Patreon has to pay arbitration fees that could total millions of dollars. A court ruling has um, denied Patreon's request for an injunction against 72 former backers of Owen Benjamin who are seeking arbitration against the company for disrupting the economic relationship between themselves and Benjamin. So I guess what they're saying is that by pulling Owen Benjamin, they have violated – Patreon has violated their civil rights, a.k.a. the right to pay someone for their bullshit. And technically, that's true. You should have the right to pay for whatever bullshit you can come up with. Um, because also, PayPal has kicked him off. They're trying to pay yep. Benjamin, and they can't because they, this is like such a ridiculous lawsuit. Like, kick these people out. Like, they should be kicked out of. I agree. I agree. They deny Patreon the injunction because, first of all, Patreon did not prove that it's going to suffer any kind of injury or harm. Second of all, Patreon is not able to prove a likelihood of prevailing on it. Well, that sets up an interesting precedent. So, yeah, saying that the, the issues are for the arbitrators, not for us to decide. Like, it's for the people who are suing you. And the last thing it says is California rarely grants the extraordinary relief Patreon seeks. Oh, so they're asking for money because they now realize they have to pay all this arbitration fee. Right. right. And I guess the court's basically like, no, you broke it, you bought it kind of thing. Like, you're the one that set this up so that you could have everything in your way. Now that it's not working for you, you have to pay what you you know, set up, I guess, which, I mean, I guess that's kind of separate from the whole issue of why should we allow you to pay for this schmuck and his content? Isn't it a violation of civil rights if you have a channel under which you are helping to fund something and they take it away? Like, is that a violation of a civil right or is that just too bad, so sad? 
I feel like we need someone from Lawfare on this podcast to like suss all of this out for us. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm like, Fair I don't enough. know. Like, I do not know what the uh, what the arbitration. Like, I feel like we would need to read. Maybe we'll, this will be our homework, or maybe at some point we'll get someone to answer these questions for us. But I think it's complicated, and I don't understand it. Do you worry at all that when people get kicked off of platforms? Who's in charge of figuring out what's right and wrong? Like, why is Owen Benjamin wrong? But like, you know what I mean? Like, what if someday whoever's in charge of YouTube and PayPal decide that they don't want to serve trans people anymore? That's kind of dangerous to be like. But then again, trans people aren't making content that's fictional. And Owen Benjamin's is fictional. It's being portrayed as nonfiction. So is that the line that's being drawn? It depends. Yes, I'm sure. I mean, like because I, it's right wing. I don't understand that part. Well, in other words, the it, big thing is when you build your when you build your house on someone else's platform. Don't be surprised when they yank it out from under you. The best thing about podcasting is you can build it on your own platform, and you're not really. You don't have to be beholden to anybody. But even PayPal is not your own platform. He was kicked off of PayPal as well. Again, I don't know this guy, so I don't know enough to know enough. But whenever you're deplatforming somebody or you're taking away, like you said, it's a slippery slope because this guy, it's fine. But what happens when the pendulum slings the other way and people that you believe in and stuff, they say that that is fictional. And then, then it goes the other way. So, so Last year, he was banned from YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, PayPal, and Patreon. And also, he's called internet bans a joke more than once and says he doesn't care if he gets kicked off. So I find it interesting that he's suing uh, Patreon for $3 million. Is he or is his fans? No, he is suing Patreon, but also his fans are doing arbitration to sort of – to sort of like – uh to sort of back him up, I guess. They're making it difficult for him. Well, I'm going to be interested to see how this shakes out. There are so many cases like this that are popping up everywhere. Like at some point, all the platforms are going to have, there's going to have to be some kind of regulation or something that, I, I mean, I hope anyway, because the proliferation of, you know, fake news and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's insane. I mean, it's impacting, you know, elections and things of that nature. I mean, this is obviously a different kind of a case, but it's, there's still, there has to be some kind of regulation or fine print somewhere that like defines what happens, whether you can sue, like, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, we need Ruth Bader Ginsburg to weigh in. I, I don't know. In addition to conspiracy, he also does a lot of anti-black and anti-Jewish hate speech. So that in itself is enough to get you thrown off of a platform. Like he makes up his own terms for those people. So it won't be flagged as hate speech, but it's still hate speech. And, you know, it's been easily coded because he's a moron. Anyway, um, so that's our that's a weird way to end this this episode. Um <laughs> But I guess before we end it, 
I just want to talk to you very quickly about Produce Your Podcast because they, their team, um, along with Tracy Long DeForge, has been helping us with our production. We have a wonderful editor already, but we've been utilizing Produce Your Podcast to help with transcription and show notes and emails and audiograms and blog posts. And it has been amazing. So if you need a team, check out ProduceYourPodcast.com. And Sky, this is who I would recommend for you when you start your new show is produce your podcast mm. because they do all the things. They do editing too. We just love our editor and we didn't want to give him up. So what's not to love? What's not to love, right? So we but we do <laughs> utilize and they also do social media. We have a social media team too separately, so we don't utilize them for that either. But if you want somebody that does all the things, produce your podcast is amazing. So you can go to produce your com and then also just this tiny last bit of news, if in case you haven't heard or checked it out shepodcasts.shop is open and it's our new merchandise store that I built on Shopify. Um, it has all of our logos, She Podcast logo and Super Squad logo and a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different t-shirts, a bunch of different phone cases. I also made these crazy little like 70s scenes because I've been into retro shit lately. I mean, I've always been into retro, but I used to be into pinup girl retro. Now I'm into like 70s hippie girl retro. I'm growing, I guess. I don't know. So check it out. Shepodcast.shop and get your t-shirt. They're pretty neat. And uh, we have a great picture of um, one of our super squatters, Patrick, and his new ringer tee with the rainbow logo. And it looks great. Sky, what would you like from the store? If you could have anything with the She Podcast logo on it, what would it be? I want a t-shirt. Okay. I want to wear it loud and proud. Although, I, you know what? I might already have a t-shirt. Did I get one? As she podcast live? Yeah, you should have one from the yes. But this is the new logo. This is the new logo. But yeah, you should have that's one from true. Live, that's true. That just, that's true. That's true. Oh, I'm going to be doing one, yeah. some shopping. There's a lot of cute stuff. I love your retro look. I'm super super yeah, into it. Just been into it lately. I cannot explain it except all the colors. It just they make me happy. I guess. I want my eyes to be bombarded with color all the time. You have someone amazing who does it, right? Me. You're the one who does it. You're looking at her. I do it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You didn't know that? I do it. No. Me, 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 me. I do it. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we get this show on the road, this party going somewhere else besides here? Um, Let's see. I would just say that uh, you and Elsie are going to, if anyone wants to hear more of you this week, you're on my podcast on Wednesday. Wait, when does this episode air? This will be out on Friday. So you can still hear Sky's episode that just came out this week on InsidePodcasting.com, right? Yes, yes. We're featuring you guys in the first half and uh, my husband in the second. And um, I just want to say that I just started listening to California Love and Ken- and California City, and they are both amazing podcasts. And uh, I'm really enjoying them. Are you listening to anything that you're enjoying right now? What about California Raisins? Do you like that one? I hate California Raisins. Is that actually a show? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just, just when I arrived here, when I arrived in Wyoming a few days ago, and uh, we arrived at night, and my sister-in-law was there, and we were like kind of had the munchies, and she was like, oh, here, we've got a bag of chocolate-covered raisins. And I was like, I like everything about that except the raisins. So I'm not yeah. in the raisins. I actually, those little commercials with the California raisins used to turn me off to raisins. Heard it through the grapevine. They were claymation. They were oh, weird. I remember those. Very I weird. remember those. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. They were pretty weird. Anyway. 
Um, hey, you know the show that we talked about with uh, Demi Moore, Dirty Diana? Yes, Dirty Diana. So I did listen to it because that was my homework. Right. And? It is well done. Okay. It is well produced. Okay. It is not my cup of tea. Okay. I felt really, really creepy listening to it. Why? Because it was very sexual and they were telling sexual stories and I was like – I was like a, it felt like a peeping tom. Ew. It just it made me feel creepy. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's not somebody's cup of tea. Very well produced. Demi Moore does an excellent job in it. I got through the first episode. I started listening to the second episode. I was like, no. I mean, I I, I did enough. It, you know, I yeah. got through it, and it's just not my cup of tea. It's it's. I got to be honest with you. It's kind of like audio porn. <gasps> it really is audio porn. Really. In my opinion, my humble opinion, yeah, they talk about all these stories, and I was like, oh, I don't think I really need to listen to this. She has a really sexy yeah, voice. Yes, if anyone's going to do a sexy podcast, it's Demi Moore. I, you're, you've intrigued me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jessica, are you listening to anything you were enjoying? No. Not right now. I don't listen that much. It's like an... Remember the old Harlequin novels? Yes. You know, that the, the ladies like used to, my mom used to read, my mom used to read on the beach. Yes. It's like mm. that, but an audio version. Thanks. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't listen to that much, especially because I'm home and I, my husband works from home and like we don't listen to stuff when we're working together because we're afraid of bothering the other persons. I don't listen to that much stuff. I know you never stop listening. Elsie never stops listening. I never listen. No, actually, the pandemic has definitely changed my ability to listen. Not because I have less time in a way, but it's more that the weirdness of being in a house with other people and having headphones on, basically, it's like wearing a giant neon sign that says, I don't want to talk to you. And with kids in the house, you feel like a like a bad parent being like, no, no, don't talk to me. I, this is more important. So I don't listen as much as I used to, which is very sad, but I did just travel here to Wyoming. And so I had a lot of listening time and that's why I dug into California love and uh, also California city. So for me, having hear earphones on or being on the phone is an immediate invitation to interrupt me because no one gives a shit what I'm doing until I'm unavailable. <laughs> it's really annoying. It's so annoying. So, I mean, like, Elsie, uh, Elsie goes through her entire life with earbuds in. I don't even know if she's always listening to something. But she but she does everything with earbuds in her ears. That's how often she listens to, like, eight hours worth a day. I don't know how she does it. I really don't. Wow. She must be the master multitasker. I can't do it. Anyway. I, I don't understand um, that either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I don't want to interrupt your vacay any more than we already have and also i can hear that the boys are trashing my house outside of this room so let's wrap <laughs> it up so thank you guys okay so much for listening to today's episode of she podcast if you want to find us on facebook twitter or instagram you can do that at she podcast you can also give us some feedback if you go to shepodcast.com and click on the little button on the right, you can leave us an audio message or you can send us an email to feedback at shepodcast.com. All of our show notes, including all the links of everything we've talked about today, will be on shepodcast.com. Don't forget to check out our store, shepodcast.shop. And don't forget to check out Podfest Expo, where we're going to be next week. And don't forget to check out Produce Your Podcast. And if you want to talk to our editor, Audio Editing Solutions. And if you want to find us on Sky's show, insidepodcasting.com. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And Sky, I love you. You're supposed to say mean it. Love you, mean it. Peace out. 
Rick, 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 Rick,